This week on The Bioneers. We must redefine the scope of healthcare workers and the work of healthcare to include not only care at the bedside of the individual, but dismantling the systems of oppression that create the conditions for illness. Dr. Rupa Maria expands upon ecological medicine to encompass what she calls social medicine on Bioneers Radio. When we hear the word health, it's usually framed as personal health. The implication is that health is our personal responsibility. Diet, exercise, stress reduction, and the menu of healthy lifestyle choices we're individually obligated to make. But what about the reality that a newborn baby today carries as many as 280 synthetic chemicals in her body? Or that according to several meta-studies, 70 to 90 percent of cancers are directly related to toxic exposures in the environment or the workplace. These are not personal choices. These realities are the result of decisions made without our consent as citizens, or often even our knowledge. The living biological truth is that human health is dependent upon the health of nature's ecosystems while the social truth is that we're all involuntary subjects in a mass medical experiment gone terribly wrong. Since the 1990s, a growing global movement of concerned scientists, doctors, public health advocates, and others have been advancing a new medical paradigm, ecological medicine. Ecological medicine anchors public health in the health of ecosystems. After all, the great health advances of the 19th century had little to do with medical care and everything to do with public health measures. Maintaining clean water supplies and quarantining the sick resulted in steep declines in diseases. In this half hour, Dr. Rupa Maria expands upon ecological medicine to encompass what she calls social medicine. As Associate Professor of Medicine at UC San Francisco and Faculty Director of the Do No Harm Coalition, she says we need to dismantle the harmful social structures that directly lead to poor health outcomes and build new structures that promote health and healing. In other words, we'll improve our health by changing society. This is Social Medicine, Restoring Public Health by Changing Society. I'm Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. I am the daughter of Punjabi immigrants who came to this country in 1973 with little money but plenty of caste privilege. We grew up with family vacations driving around a VW van around the western lands and my father would stop at the reservations where he would make us get out and listen and learn and look and see what had happened to the original people of this land. He would talk to me about colonization because we are also a people who had been colonized by Europeans. Dr. Rupa Maria sees her role as a physician in the much larger context of identity and what constitutes true health and health care. She spoke at a Bioneers conference. I am a mother of two beautiful mixed heritage boys, and I am a farmer's wife. I am a physician who works in adult medicine and who witnesses society's ills manifest in my patients' bodies, and a doctor who sees racism and state violence as an urgent public health issue. I am a touring musician who has played in 29 different countries, singing in five different languages with the band Rupa and the April Fishes. 
And to use a phrase taught to me by Miwok elder, Wounded Knee, I am an earth person. What I'm going to describe for you today is a system of domination in which we live and what I believe are the direct health consequences of that system for all of us. Today, we will be talking about the impact of social stressors, which have been shown to cause chronic inflammation. These diseases require more systemic approaches, not simply focusing on the individual, but rather moving our gaze to the structures of society, helping us see how the individual pursuit of health is actually futile in a system that makes health impossible. As a practicing physician, Rupa Maria examines how social structures can predispose disadvantaged groups to certain illnesses. During a conversation at a Bioneers conference, she shared a medical lesson she learned while farming. So I married this wonderful farmer, and he's teaching me a lot about growing things. And when we moved onto our property in Oakland, the orange tree had rust on it. And I was like, let's get the neem oil. Let's put things on it. It was my doctor's mind. Like, let's zap this thing. And he's like, let's put some compost. Let's pitchfork the soil around it. Let's give this tree some love. And I learned so much very humbly from him because that sense of caretaking is very different than the sense that I was trained with. And so as I have worked in the hospital and seen people come back with recurrent, sometimes mm -hmm. deadly infections, mm -hmm. the question is what can we do for that person to increase their immunity and increase their health, restore their wellness so that their body can resist and fight these things rather than keep slamming people with antibiotics that can have untoward effect. In dire situations in the ICU or when someone's deathly ill, you go for the antibiotic. When they're not there, but they're still not in a place of health, how do you restore those systems? And I think that we are not trained in a way to be creative thinkers as medicine people in this context of a capitalist, profit-driven medical system, which is why I feel it is deeply unethical, because we have so much more at our disposal, so much more science available, so much more thinking available that could be used to help serve our patients in the overall general health of our populations, not just the poor and indigent, but everybody. Dr. Maria points out that because preventative medicine isn't profitable, it's marginalized in the capitalist medical model. Over 60% of all bankruptcies filed in the U.S. are tied to medical debt. Just one serious health problem can push a family into poverty or homelessness. And now that the climate crisis has become a permanent emergency, the ER has to confront a new existential emergency, radically escalating and unprecedented medical challenges. I was working at the hospital the days that San Francisco reached 106 degrees, and the emergency room looked like a war zone. There were people in stretchers lining the halls. We had people coming in having heart attacks who had completely clean coronaries. We had people having bone marrow suppression from heat exhaustion. And the hospital halls were so hot that people who were febrile with fevers went to the ICU 
view because they were just the ambient heat of the room was it just made this catastrophic series of events in their own bodies. And we actually have a case that came up of a woman who was admitted, had a fever. It got so high because her room was 95 degrees in the room. She went to the ICU. She ended up dying. And it's come up as a morbidity and mortality case. And they called me to talk about the case. And I was like, we need to talk about how we are unprepared for climate change. And through that experience, it's pushing us now as health practitioners, at least on the front lines in the hospitals, to start asking these questions a little bit more desperately. So I'm hearing hospital administrators talk about, oh, this is climate change and we are unprepared. I'd never seen that kind of acknowledgement. I'm hearing doctors talk about capitalism as a health problem. Dr. Rupa Maria also knows that one critical factor in health and healing is the strength of our social relationships. So instead of the doctor knows best, top-down approach, what happens when doctors, patients, and their families come together in community to discuss the patient's health and the larger context of the social and political environment? So I had, a, I guess, a 50-year-old mom, African-American woman, who was in the hospital for her fifth or sixth exacerbation of lung disease from smoking crack. And this time she had smoked crack. It was laced with levamisole, which is a antiparasitic that caused this inflammation of her blood vessels. And I had to get it through to her that if she did that again, it could be lethal. It had affected the blood vessels around her heart. And so we called a family meeting. I sat down and I called her family in And we talked about the history of crack use in the African-American community as a direct outcome of the genocidal project in the United States. And we talked about how this is a legacy that extends from the time of slavery in the United States. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how this pattern for her was not simply a burden of her as an individual, but was a pattern that was a social pattern. It was amazing to see her load lifted and her perspective widened and her family's perspective widened. Her kids who were in their 20s were very already down with this narrative. But to hear it coming from her health provider in a hospital was actually a very healing act. And she has informed me, and she continues to inform me, that she's been clean ever since. She hasn't gone back to smoking crack. And I think that that, to me, is remarkable, that if we can just start to reframe how we are thinking, we can shift the balance for many different kinds of people. We can empower them with the knowledge and the stories that can help them to heal themselves. One place Dr. Rupa Maria has witnessed the stress and health effects from the trauma of injustice is in the disproportionate rates of police violence in Black, Latinx, and Native American communities. Realities like these inspired her to help create the Do No Harm Coalition at UCSF. The coalition of healers, health workers, and activists arose after 26-year-old Mario Woods was gunned down by the San Francisco Police Department in late 2015. So I started organizing with a group of medical students 
when we were taking care of a group of five people who were protesting police violence in San Francisco, the Frisco Five. So they went on hunger strike and sat out in front of the Mission Police Department protesting the killing of black and brown and mentally ill people in San Francisco by the San Francisco Police Department with no accountability, no transparency in the investigation, and um, no justice for the killings. So... We started organizing around this idea that police violence is a public health issue and that racism and state violence are public health issues because they not only affect the bodies of our patients and the people who are left behind, but it also, when there is no accountability for this violence, it erodes the very civic fabric that we rely on, the trust between governance and individuals. And I feel like this is you know, where we are at as a society right now is really seeing that threadbare nature of how how there's so much distrust um, between different communities and the state institutions. So we're starting to articulate a language around this and then using this language in the hospitals as we're seeing patients and also um, out in the communities. That work led Dr. Maria and her colleagues to launch the Justice Study. It's a national project designed to answer the question, if the wound is police violence and the medicine is justice, What happens to the well-being of families and communities who don't receive that medicine? Societal wounds like state violence create severe harms in both body and mind. Dr. Maria calls the state of physical and psychic siege the colonial syndrome. It manifests in alarmingly high rates of heart disease, cancer, obesity, and diabetes. It's exponentially more devastating for populations who've endured transgenerational harms and injustices that stem from legacies of colonialism, violence, and genocide. To address the societal root causes of these chronic afflictions, Dr. Rupert Maria says we have to examine the colonial foundations of our societies. To me, to be colonized means to be disconnected and disintegrated from our ancestry, from our earth, from our indigeneity, our earth-connected selves. We all come from earth-connected peoples. Colonization, colonization is the way the extractive economic system of capitalism came to this land, supported by systems of supremacy and domination, which are a necessary part to keep the wealth and power accumulated in the hands of the colonizers and ultimately their financiers. In what we now know as the United States, this system of supremacy is expressed in many ways. First, white supremacy, which created a framework that legitimized slavery and genocide. Slavery created cheap labor, which is necessary for a functioning capitalist system, and genocide created unlimited access to resources. Now, we all know that white supremacy is the scary guy with the swastika and the hood, right? But it can also look like any place where there is an abundance of white people in exclusive contexts, where power and access is not readily ceded to others. And these systems are what need to be dismantled. As the late Audre Lorde stated, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. So what might a new re-indigenized vision of holistic healthcare look like? And how might we get there? To heal the diseases that are caused by the trauma of colonization, we must decolonize. If colonization represents a disintegration and a disconnection, we must reconnect. And our work is two-pronged, to reintegrate and to dismantle. 
We must reintegrate what has been divided and conquered in our societies, between our peoples, between us and the natural world around us, and within ourselves. And we can do this in many ways, by promoting acts that increase local autonomy and self-determinism, by exposing the myth of treating the individual as limited in its ability to actually address root causes of diseases, by reconnecting to who we were before our respective colonization through songs, traditional knowledge, reawakening our food and medicine ways, and reawakening our relationships to each other, to the earth around us, and to other beings. And we must dismantle those systems of domination that create and recreate cycles of trauma and inflammation, those systems that work in service of capitalism. This is my vision of holistic healthcare. For Dr. Rupa Maria, decolonizing medicine also means using what she calls her white coat privilege to assist communities to reclaim their health by seeking justice and equality. When we return, we hear how a new re-indigenized vision of holistic healthcare has begun to manifest in a breakthrough collaboration on the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation in South Dakota. This is Social Medicine, Restoring Public Health by Changing Society. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. If you love Bioneers Radio, it's free and easy to support us. Just take a moment to post a review on our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find our show online. You'll be helping other people find and enjoy these incredible thinkers and storytellers. And thank you for helping us out. Dr. Rupa Maria has studied and seen firsthand the harmful effects of colonization on health outcomes. But it wasn't until she was invited to the Standing Rock Reservation that Rupa understood how much the eradication of cultural identity and traditional cosmologies have continued to traumatize successive generations following the original genocide and colonization of Native Americans that began over 500 years ago. The movement to stop the Keystone XL oil pipeline drew thousands of people to the Standing Rock Reservation to help defend the indigenous and other communities living near the path of the proposed project. As they peacefully protested, these water protectors faced a brutal response from the police and private paramilitary security corporations. What I experienced there as a healthcare provider, to me, was striking. You know, I had always known about the genocide of Native people growing up in this land. Um, I was born in Ohlone territory, so I was always aware of it as a young person. And it wasn't until I was at Standing Rock and witnessed the violence of the police that I understood how this is actually an ongoing process, that the genocide is continuing, and that it has these very deep ramifications, not just for Native people who are experiencing it after several centuries, but also for those of us who are standing with them, and also for the perpetrators of the violence. Dr. Maria was invited to interview indigenous elders. She asked them this, what does decolonized medicine mean to you? What does health mean to you? What does medicine mean to you? She says their responses illustrated a very different worldview, especially one from an elder, a woman named Candace Ducheneau. 
and she calls the white people washichu, which means the ones who take all the fat. That's the word that the Lakota used to describe white folks. What has washichu medicine ever given us? Before they came, we didn't have diabetes, we didn't have cancer, we didn't have heart disease, because we lived with our medicine around us all the time. The plants were our medicine. The animals were our medicine. Our community was our medicine. The way we moved and lived together was our medicine. And our medicine people lived right with us. So you didn't go see a doctor when you were sick. You were always putting yourself into balance. So their very way of existing, it's completely opposite to what they're living now with no movement, no communal living in this certain way. And the relationships to their ecosystems and their food systems have been completely disrupted by the flooding of the of the Missouri River after it was dammed and when they were put onto reservations. Colonization drove not only the destruction of landscapes, it also sought to eradicate traditional indigenous worldviews of health as wholeness, interdependence, and balance. On the Standing Rock Reservation, before the damming of Minnesota or the Missouri River, diabetes was rare. Actually, diabetes was virtually non-existent. Once the river was dammed, it ended up flooding these cottonwood forests. By shifting the ecology through a colonizing force, the people became more dependent on the cash economy for their food and medicine, and lost the essential cultural connection to their traditional ways. This tragic loss of the commons is a hallmark of capitalist society, and the impact is felt in the individual body. After the damming of the river, rates of diabetes skyrocketed. This didn't happen simply because people became more sedentary and consequently more obese. This happened because of colonization, not by changing the indigenous body, but by changing the social structures around that body, which in turn creates disease. But today, a cultural and political renaissance among many indigenous tribes and communities is starting to challenge and reverse the destruction, to reimagine what healing looks like, and to build the structures and relationships to grow a new model. With her team, Dr. Maria began to collaborate with Lakota Dakota health leaders to explore how they could collectively create structures and systems to help improve health outcomes and strengthen community resilience. The overriding questions, how do you decolonize medicine? And what does healing look like when personal health, ecological well-being, and social justice are the core values for public health systems? We've decided that we would like to create a partnership to create this clinic and farm. And some of the things that we have decided we absolutely want for this space um, in order to decolonize medicine is to have a kitchen, traditional round structures, a waiting area. There will be a pharmacy that will have a formulary that will include the herbs and the medicines that we medical people use and to check their cross-reactivities. Interestingly, they wanted to have private exam rooms that could be big enough to fit a family. So the concept of privacy is very different in Lakota culture. Like they want everyone in the exam room having the dialogue with them because often illness is seen as a system issue. It's not just an individual. It's how these things are relating. They want to have a spiritual and ceremonial space integrated not as a side offshoot, but in central to the way this 
physical space will be. And they also want a children's area and an elder's area. These are things that we don't commonly think of in a clinic. They would like to have a birthing center eventually. They want to have classrooms. They want to have housing. They want to have be off the grid. They want to have water recycling. So they really see that this clinic could be a vision for how they could be building and how they could be taking care of themselves. And for me, this clinic is really the greatest example of social medicine because I believe that we cannot move forward as a society until we address our primary violence, which is against the Native people. This emerging vision of social medicine is combining powerfully with ecological medicine's first principle that human and environmental health are one notion, indivisible. It unites ancient worldviews of health as wholeness with practical contemporary public health models. The quest is to create new ways of doing medicine that can serve as an example for other communities. For Dr. Rupa Maria, decolonizing medicine starts with reclaiming our power as citizens to create institutions and build an authentic democracy. In other words, she asks, how do we change society? The same question goes to how do we encourage our citizens to actually make this place a democracy? How do we encourage people to take back the right to clean water? How do we encourage people the right to have access to land that they can make their food from without it being poisoned? These are all big questions. How do we start a revolution? What I want you to remember from this talk is this. Health is impossible when living in systems of oppression. We cannot effectively treat diseases like diabetes with a drug without addressing the systems that makes diabetes so prevalent. We must redefine the scope of healthcare workers and the work of healthcare to include not only care at the bedside of the individual, but dismantling the systems of oppression that create the conditions for illness. And finally, we must reintegrate with the earth, with each other, and within ourselves. We must decolonize. Rupa Maria, Social Medicine, Restoring Public Health by Changing Society. To explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, and videos, visit Bioneers.org. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Osabel. Written by Monica Lopez and Kenny Osabel. Senior producer and station relations, Stephanie Welch. Host and consulting producer, Neil Harvey. Producer, Teo Grossman. Program engineer and music supervisor, Emily Harris. Our theme music is co-written by the Baca Forest people of Cameroon and Baca Beyond from the album East to West. Find out more at globalmusicexchange.org. Additional music was made by Rupa Maria and the April Fishes at theaprilfishes.com and by APM Music at apmmusic.com. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. This is program number 0518.